Good morning. Um, I guess y'all usually start off with an icebreaker, so that's what we're going to do first, is give you all a question to talk about that relates to our topic. And um, this morning, we want you all around your tables to talk about whether you have a close relationship with any of your siblings, and what do you attribute that to? So when y'all talk um, about that for a few minutes, we're going to then ask you, if you do have a great relationship, we'd love to know, um, we're going to ask you to just stand up maybe and just shout that out at us. So take a few minutes to talk about that, and then we'll get on with the morning. Hello? Okay, ladies. Um, have you all made it around the table? I'm gonna I'm gonna come around and offer the microphone for anyone who uh, wants to share their their close sibling story. Actually, you you might need to raise your hand so I can come find you. If you have a close relationship with one of your siblings, raise your hand. Yeah. And it can be not so close. <laughs> Gail Stouffer. Um, I was telling my table. <clears throat> I was telling my table, I have a sister that's 13 months older than me, and we're really close. And I really think I can attribute that to just sharing a bedroom with her for so many years and just, you know, falling asleep, talking to one another. And it's almost like a mental telepathy um, that we have with each other. So it's, it's fun. All right. Sharing a bedroom. We're going to talk about that. Anybody else? Catherine, say your name. Hi, I'm Catherine McInnes, and um, I have a brother who is 18 months older than I am, and we've just grown up just so close, and we too shared a bedroom. Um, I had my own bedroom that was my personal space, but every night I would go into his room and sleep in his twin bed, and we would just talk and talk. And um, even in college, he was the one that would actually, he, he lived next door to me in college, and my dorm room, he even came to pick me up and took me to breakfast every morning. And we'd walk to class together, and so people thought it was very strange, but he was just priceless. And um, I want, my mom just always instilled that we were best friends, and um, that friends will come and go, but family will always be there. And we really are. We're best friends. And it's changed a little bit in the season of life now that he's married and I'm married, but we still just have this connection. <laughs> All right. Who wants to follow that one? <laughs> Anybody else? All right, well, I guess it's good y'all are here if y'all weren't close to your siblings. Yeah, really. <laughs> we better all start over. Alex uh, asked me a couple days ago, she said, you know, not to change the subject, she goes, but where do we sit during this? I said, she said, do we sit on stools? I said, I don't know where you're sitting, but I'm sitting in the audience because <laughs> it's been that kind of week. Um, Sunday night, my daughter had, I was going to, my husband was out of town, so I was going to work on this all weekend. You know, that, oh, yes, you know, all the kids in bed, I'll go down, you know. And you got to know, I'm a dental hygienist. I mean, PowerPoint, that kind of thing is foreign to me. But I thought, I'll figure it out on Friday night at, you know, 11.30. Well, uh, Gracie had asthma all weekend. And so she was, I was up all night with her on Friday and Saturday night. So Monday morning, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I told Gracie, when we get back from the doctor, you're just going to have to read or whatever. I'm going to have to get on this PowerPoint. I turned on my computer and I got the dreaded blue screen, which means bye-bye hard drive, which means nothing. So I was sitting crying and I called Alex and she said, Said, I was just in a heap, and I said, okay, if I'm, my kids are going to see my weaknesses always. I, you know, I'm not going to trust the Lord in this. I mean, I know he knows, but I'm going to be worldly disappointed for at least my 10 minutes. So I sat and cried, and then I get this Mark McLaughlin, I've got a 
a laptop for you and I've got a so he's filled in the gaps and so we do have a PowerPoint and I've been up at Watermark Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday which has been great. I've gotten to know a lot more people and it's been, I don't know, Emily Lurkey will not be, I said I'm going to be sitting at your desk at 8.30 in the morning. She goes, I bet you will and I was here at 8.20 and when she didn't get here by 8.40 I was like, she's late. But anyway, so um, here it is. We, We did get it so we'll see how it works because I called Mark McLaughlin and I said, you have to understand, I'm a woman of the 90s, the 1890s. Give me an iron, I can press a good shirt, but I mean, I can't. So we'll see how this works out. Well, and y'all can really be thankful Millie's a part of this, because if it had just been me, you would have no handout, no, um, I don't even know what this is called, PowerPoint. <laughs> and I, I'd probably be up here with a few notes scratched down, just flailing. So you can be thankful that Millie and I are doing this together and that we've had a lot of fun this week talking mm-hmm. about it. Actually... We've been talking about it for quite some time because she's been badgering me for two years <laughs> to do something with this group, and I am so thankful that I got to be here today. Yes, we are so thankful. But I knew I was in trouble when Alex called me about two months ago. We're big garage sellers together, and she goes, let's wear our matching outfits. I said, no, Alex. We bought, she bought a green dress one time at a sample sale, and I bought a green skirt. And we didn't talk about it, and we both showed up at church, sat right by each other. I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of the green skirt. I said, Alex, I've so ditched that green, shirt, that green skirt. So anyways, well, we're just going to start out with um, our little PowerPoint, so we'll see how this goes. Um, you know, when we started doing research, or I started really looking when they talked about this topic that y'all were interested in hearing about, I went back to rivalry and conflict. And for me, rivalry, my sister and I have never gotten along. And when I looked back, I could really see I've got, you know, two siblings, a brother eight years younger and a sister about 18 months older. And I really wondered what the dynamics of our family were that kind of caused my sister and I not to really... Uh, you know, invest in each other. And I mean, we, we have an okay friendship, but it's not where I want it to be. And I started looking, I mean, back at some pictures, and this is my birthday, and she is taking the big bite out of the cake. Uh, that is where it started, I can assure you. But we'll dive in more on the conflict um, in a little bit. This is my sweet family, my sweet husband, Blaine. I'm so blessed to have somebody. Blaine came from a family that totally loved the Lord. They always put God first. And his mom, Blaine's dad committed suicide at 18 months. So it wasn't like their, their family went with, you know, no tragedy and that kind of thing. But his mom stayed focused on her faith. And those four children, his three siblings, I mean, his sister, one of her his sisters lives in Amarillo. And they talk every day, probably three or four times a day. He's always pecking out an email to her. So, you know, he's not good on the computer either. But I have Sally that's 17, Blaine that's 13, and Gracie that is 10. And there's my brother, and you can tell my Parenting 101, I started, he's not so happy about it down there, but I was happy about him. I loved, he was my guinea pig, so all my trial and error went out on my little brother, who's now 6'7". I don't mess with him anymore. Um, there we go, and there's Miss Alex. All right, so there, there's the very small Wagner uh, <laughs> family. Um, my sister and I uh, grew up in a family that were not... We're not believers. Um, God was not first in our home, and uh, we had a very. We had. I think my parents did a great job, though, um, with what I was telling Millie earlier. Is they did not have um, a good group of friends in their lives. They were fairly isolated, and um, so they didn't have friends that spoke into their lives. And uh, so, anyway, my sister and I did not have. 
the spiritual foundation in our home that I, we think, as, we, as Millie and I have been speaking, or talking this week, um, that, that spiritual connection that binds your hearts together as siblings. And um, we're going to talk about that today. So, um, let me go on to the... Now this is um, this is later, obviously. This is my mother. She was um, she was 38 and 40 when she had my sister and I. Both of my parents worked, and so they were not around a ton. Although my dad, uh, my mother worked nights, and my dad was home during the day, so we were not together as a family much at all. And um, again, we're gonna we've learned so much, Millie and I, as we've just gone back and looked at our families and what we would change and what our hopes for what our hopes are for our families that we now are a part of. Okay, this is the big group. <laughs> and um, this happened to be out at the McFarland's Ranch. And this is a really, uh, Tawny and Dean, and they are so gracious to let us go out there occasionally. And we have just good old-fashioned fun together. And um, so there we are. Well, I have to say one thing on this. Alex called me a couple months ago, and she goes, we have got a lot of conflict labs going over at the Wagner. She goes, next time would you ask me to speak on potty training? <laughs> I think I've mastered that. That is true. And I do think the couple of times I've, been, I've, I've taken the opportunity to, to speak, it is like that is in the forefront of whatever you're preparing for, whatever you're speaking on. And um, I, have not, I've had some, I have not had a fair amount of sibling rivalry over the last few weeks, but we've had our shared conflict, both mother-son and child-child, and um, so yeah, some of this is pretty fresh. Yeah. Okay, I, when I start talking, I love, you know, the, the gardening theme, and so I mentioned to Alex, you know, I've really got this idea about the, these flowers and, and things like that, so we start talking, and we started looking at, like, 1 Corinthians. It just talks about, this is, I've put the whole uh, verse there, or the whole, a couple of verses, but it just says that, what's the family aroma? And God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I mean, when you talk about the family being like a parts of the body, you've got your arms and legs, and they all have their purpose. So when I started talking to Alex, I started thinking about flowers, and it's like, you know, God designed flowers so differently. So, like, this is the hails. I mean, if we were all white daisies, there wouldn't be very much uniqueness about us. I mean, you know, there'd be just... You know, oh, here come the hails, the white daisies, you know, it'd be all the same aroma. And I just don't think that's what God had in mind. He said every one of them. He arranged every one of the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. So whatever your family looks like, whether it's one child, four children, six children, that's the way God arranged that to be. And so you've really got to take that mindset in looking at how your family is and just know that there's no mistakes. I mean, that's how God designed your family. Okay, it's awfully, it's really ironic that Millie and I are speaking, and we're using this gardening thing because um, if you drove in front of either one of our houses, you'd probably laugh. Um, I know, I think Holly had a small group in my house, and I, I, I told Sally, leave the porch light off. We're talking on flowers, and mine are all dead, and I thought, this will not be, don't tell Holly, it will not be good. I thought, the only thing green up here is the paper, not <laughs> neither thumb. So, um so, but going with that, uh, I have a couple of illustrations that are recent because it's the planting season, and uh, I decided I was going to put some flowers in my pot on the front porch. And um, so I went to Callaway's and searched all over for um, the perfect flowers. Just wanted a variety of colors, and I wasn't so wasn't so um, 
careful, I guess, to pick the ones that would maybe go together in the same pot as far as lighting and amount of um, water that they needed and just the different things that you, you know, that they require. So I just picked what I liked. Um, and then what, I, what did I do? Okay, so I have my basket of flowers. I'm pushing my cart, and now I need, realize, oh, I need potting soil. So I go to the potting soil section, and there's about 20 different varieties. Well, I'm definitely not paying for the expensive one because I've got all these flowers. So I kind of work my way down, and I end up with the you know, $4.95 bag of potting soil. <laughs> well, um, I put them, I, I plant my, my pots, and um, put my impatience in the front yard, and this is, this is not just this year, this is every year. This is what I do every year, and I still haven't learned, from my, learned my own lesson. Um, so anyhow, so you've got these flowers with different uh, requirements. You've got them in the cheapest dirt that you can buy, and they look good for about two weeks. And then some of them are wilting, some of them are dead, so anyhow, I have a neighbor who uh, is a lands- her husband's a landscaper, and I drive by her house. Her impatience all summer long, mounding, and I'm thinking, what in the world? Why are my impatience so droopy? Well, and, and hers are just full and uh, healthy and radiant. And um, okay, she knows what soil to plant her flowers in. Her her. Um, her, um, I guess the thing she focuses on is what she's putting her flowers in. And um, I didn't do that. So she knows that you have to put soil in the ground that has good nutrients in it if you want healthy, healthy flowers to bloom. So that was a fresh illustration for me. And we're going to go off of that and talk to you about um, preparing the soil. So it's like you're saying to yourself, I mean, are we going to just... Now, I did lose all my pictures, so you got what I got. I mean, you know, with the pictures I added in. But I thought, are you going to... You just want a family. If your goal is just to survive, then you'll probably muddle through and you'll probably get, you know, as good as it's going to get. But if you want to really thrive, then you've got to have what it takes in your soil and, and invest in that. So you want to go ahead? Okay, yeah. sure. Um, okay, so we just have this little thing that we thought of and wrote down, intentionally creating, what, uh, actually, let's go back, defining the soil or preparing the soil. Um, intentionally creating a richness where each person feels valued and respected by all. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the fact that the key to that is having family time and expressed affection, not just you to your um, child or your child to your child, but every member in your family, that you are having good quality time with them and um, in the, for the entire family, I guess. So. Okay, and so when you go on, talking about just the strong family bonds, the relationships to nurture, it starts with you. And one of my favorite verses the last couple of years has been Colossians 3.12, and it's clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I just over and over say that to myself. First thing in the morning, I think, I think of, you know, I kind of typed it out and put it in my closet, and I just kind of, you know, reflect on it, because when I get dressed, I want to think about that, putting on compassion and putting on and making an intentional effort. 
Um, I told Alex, I said, man, lately I've just felt like the maiden form woman. I mean, all I've got on is a bra and underwear out in the world. I mean, I've got nothing. I'm not clothed with any of those things. And so it's really an intentional, you know, be intentional and put those on. I I always give this illustration because I just think it's so good. I mean, especially being mothers in here, whether you have one or how many ever children, um, the feeding of the 5,000, I just think about how... You know, Jesus told the disciples, I mean, they, you know, talk about you got nothing. I mean, you know, they had a limited amount of resources, but he said, line the people up, set them down. And then they went back and they took their baskets and Jesus filled their baskets and they had more than enough to feed the entire 5,000. And that was only men. They weren't counting on, you know, the children and the wives or, or the women. And so I just think so many times we as mothers, and I'm so guilty too, you know, it's like we don't start our day out really reflecting on the Lord, praying. And I know you're busy, and that's the thing. It might just be listening to a Christian song or, you know, something to start your day. You know, just a short, quick arrow prayer that you shoot up. But I know Jesus is faithful. And when we're operating out of an empty basket, we've got to go back and get that filled with the Lord. I mean, I often think recently, you know, my cell phone makes this annoying sound when it's low on batteries. And so many times that's how I feel like I sound when I have not been recharged and I don't go back to the Lord. And so it's just those little reminders. And I think, too, when we were studying um, the Old Testament last year in BSF, they were just talking about the manna. And it really spoke to me how the Lord said, I will rain down for you every day, but don't take more than you need for that day because it will spoil. And I think that was God's design to say, you need the living water. You need food every single day. If you go a week without, you know, looking toward the Lord or getting, you know, any filling, then you're going to sound like that uncharged cell phone. You're going to, you know, so, I mean, just know that it really does start with you. And, And guys, the one thing that Alex and I have repeatedly said to each other is we don't want anybody to leave here and feel overwhelmed and guilty. That's not, you know, right now, just throw that out the window. Because I'll tell you what, if you look in the Bible, I've been reading this book called Think Orange, and if you look in, and he says in here, you know, the Gary Smalley's and the, you know, all these people, they're up there saying like, oh, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and pray, and do all these things. But the problem is, we have no good example in the Bible of uh, great parenting. I mean, God works in the lives of those who are, you know, less than perfect. And so you've got to be authentic with your kids. They have got to see you. I've got a list. Struggle with answers. Face weaknesses. Deal with problems. Admit you're wrong. Fighting for your marriage. And restore conflict. I mean, there's a little... I thought this was really good the way he says... Let me see. Um... Let me see, it's on 67. Well, I can come back to that. But, I mean, it's just very, we have got to be, um, to be a, a, a positive influence, parents need to make it personal. Letting their kids see faith in action by putting themselves first when it comes to personal growth. Our kids have got to see it. It says, don't forget that God is writing a story in the hearts of parents. And it's a story of redemption and restoration. And so we've got to remember the things that the children can see is God at work in the lives of their parents. But they can't see who their parents are becoming if they never see who they were in the first place. So I would just, you know, continue to encourage you. Be real. Be who you are. Your kids are going to see it anyways. 
I mean, I, I, we were back in the back room having a lot of fun the other night, and we were, not a lot of fun, it was really messy. I mean, it was, the aroma was not good in our home, and somebody rang the doorbell. I didn't want to open the door. I thought the smell might seep out. But I was like, well, hello. Oh, you need sugar. Sure, we got plenty of sugar. Granulated sugar, not sweet, you know, friendly, homely sugar with all our kids. It was not a good aroma. But my kids were like, well, Mom was so nice to them when she went, and now she's coming back in. I mean, go on to the neighbor's house and eat dinner with them, whatever. But anyway, so I'm just saying, be who you are. Your kids get that. I mean, they see they've got a front row seat, and you've got to figure out, is this a show, or am I going to really use my weaknesses to build into who they are? Yeah, kids are... Uh... They're really, you know, they're really on top of things. They, they can tell if you have a personal relationship with the Lord. If you're going to the Lord to fill your basket, um, you know, Todd spoke a couple years ago, and one of the things that he said just kept, it's, I think about it all the time, because um, in the feeding of the 5,000, he, he um, alluded to the fact that uh, the disciples came back to Jesus for those baskets, and he said, what, the, what you need for them, you get from him. And so you need to, every day, keep going back to him because what you need for your kids, you're going to get from him. And um, I was reading in, uh, in first, second, and third John, I had my kids trapped at the table the other night. Todd wasn't home, and I was reading just all through first, second, third John, and I made them sit there. They kept asking me, are we almost done yet? Are you on the, um, on the, are you on the last chapter yet? And um, one of the themes that was just going through that was just abiding with Christ. And I thought, okay, this, I, I was doing this for them, but I was reading it and hearing it myself. And so as we're talking about, as we're, you're looking at your outline, we're talking about right now relationships to nurture and creating a strong family bond through those relationships. And so that first one is just you. And like Millie said, start with yourself. Um, and then your marriage relationship. That's where we're, what we have second. Uh, making that a priority. Now, Todd and I spent an, a lot of time um, trying to make that happen. And um, we have been very diligent for years on having a weekly date night. And our date night is not always like go to a, Actually, very few times have we ever gone to a movie. Um, it usually involves a meal. and But mostly our... Um, but what we use that time for is for talking. Uh, sometimes we go by ourselves. Lately we've gone with another couple who are, is in our community. And actually it's open to our whole community every Thursday night. If you guys want to come, we want to talk about life together. And um, that a lot of times involves talking about our kids. Where are your kids at? And we're going to talk about um, taking a personal inventory of your child, children in a few minutes. But um, one of the things we do during that time is we uh, talk about... Our, what our needs of our of our children, uh, what's glaring right now. Sometimes um, you have a squeaky wheel that needs a lot of oil, but you can't re- forget to oil the others. And so we, you know, we, we hit each one of our kids quite often. And even if we're not, um, if we miss that a week, our friends are speaking into that and they're asking us. Um, I, my friends ask me all the time, "How are your kids doing?" And for somebody to verbally, to, for you to have to verbalize that to somebody. Um, is a great thing. And um, the other thing Todd and I do, now, date nights can get expensive, I know. And babysitting, because where y'all are, um, stage of life, can be very expensive. Um, We sacrificed um, plenty of other things so that we could make a date night happen. We had a lot of great friends who 
offered to do it for way less than what most babysitters are charging these days. We traded around children in the early years. I know probably some of y'all have done that as well. Um, but we realized that that time is very, very important. Occasionally we get away together. Um, it doesn't have to be like an exotic location. We might just do an overnight somewhere. But we get away and we, we talk about our marriage. How are we doing? And because the greatest thing you can give your kids is a mom and dad who love each other. And that doesn't happen, um, you know, without spending that time together and assessing your relationship because there is always an area to take ground in in your marriage. And so that um, nurturing that marriage relationship is essential. Okay, our next one is parent to child. And just be a student of your children. Um, I really think, you know, really, I think my daughter Sally taught me this lesson the earliest, and I've told this story when I do biblical discipline, and I just, oops, I just think it's one of those things that it really taught me so much. Um, One day, you know, she kept leaving her underwear laying on the floor, and so I said, you know, I'm going to do something with that if you don't start picking it up. And so she, I was home with Blaney. He was sick. And so they called and said, we're almost home, Mom. I said, okay, great. And I ran out and stuck her underwear out on the tree. And so I thought it was going to be so funny, you know, because I love funny. And so I'm looking at the window, you know, and they're driving up. Well, I mean, she got out and ripped that out of the tree so quick. And she came storming in the house. And my husband was like, what in the world? What are you thinking? I said, well, I thought it was going to be funny. And, and he goes, well, it's not. And I said, well, evidently her funny bone's not my funny bone. And so I apologized. And she looked up at me with those big eyes because I'm a clean freak. And she looked up and said, Mom, there's a lot of other great things about me. And it just made me want to cry because I thought, you know what, Sally, there are a lot of great things about you. And so from that point on, she's never been my squeaky wheel, but my prayer for Sally has always been, have I oiled her? And so the next day, the funniest part about that was I went out and to get the mail, and my bra was hanging from the tree. I've been there all day. So I thought, well, I came back and high-fived her and said, you do have a good sense of humor. So I was glad for that. But I would just say, you know... Just invest and figure out who God made them to be. Don't try to make them. I mean, they've got strengths and weaknesses. And if you can just assess that from time to time and just figure out, am I meeting them? Am I bringing out the best in them? Because they're going to have, you know, things that you're thinking, oh, my goodness. And that's the best thing It's just to lean in and figure out who they are and, and make them be the best they can be. Because I tell you, it's been so neat just to see. I mean, Sally's just been such a joy, and, and she's just got such a little sweet temperament, so I've been glad to to figure that out. Did you want to say anything about parent? Um, yeah, well, I think we're going to talk about the individual oh, the child inventory. Things. The pokey things. <laughs> um, because I've been planting, I went ahead and, I went ahead and saved um, some of the pots, and I called Callaway yesterday to ask what these are called because... We just called them pokey things, and we didn't think that was very appropriate. Um, they're called plant tags. And uh, <laughs> this is a gardening lesson. She, I think she thought I was wanting to buy some, and I said, no, no, I just want to know what they're called. And I'm sure she was like, this lady's crazy. Um, but when I, when I was planting my flowers, um, you know, they all came in different sizes, and they all came in different shapes, and they all came in different colors. And um, they each had a plant tag. And because my, my eyes are growing dim, and I can't really read this anymore without <clears throat> glasses, which I don't have yet. Um, 
Well, this one says fertilize regularly for best results. Water, normal. Sun, a light as far as sun to shade. So, and heat so, tolerance. Okay, so basically what the plant tag tells you, um, I haven't do, been doing for my plants, but hopefully uh, I've been incorporating that in my children's lives. I've been looking at their individual needs. And, um, of course, let me just say this. Millie and I have laughed because we have not done anything perfectly. So please do not hear us saying that we are the authority on how to have close kids or how to nurture. We're just trying to share it with you our hearts on what we've seen um, that has been positive. And um, so anyhow, one of, the things we ha one of the things we have on here, do you have a slide for the individual child? Yeah, I do. Why don't we just tell about this okay. real quick about the, the verses. These verses really, I mean, when you realize, I can tell you whether you've checked out your child's pokey thing or not, I can tell you that it, it all says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one, it's, and folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And I will tell you, of my three, some are wound like a golf ball my son, and then some are like a big ball of yarn, you know, that folly. But everybody's got it. Everybody's got folly. And so you need to realize that there is going to be, I think when you look at it, is knowing that your kids are going to have conflict, knowing that they're going to sin, then it somehow it, it changes your perspective on it. It changes the way you look at it because there's this no, I mean, y'all didn't come here thinking, I wonder if my kids will ever have conflict or if they're ever going to sin. You know, you look at that little baby and you're thinking, oh, this one is never going to sin. About 10 months, they take that halo off and throw it at you. I mean, it's just the way it goes. I mean, that's just how it happens. And some throw it about two months. If, if that folly's bound up tight. So all that said, we know we're going to have work to do. And I think when you look at it, instead as an opportunity, and that's just part of your job description, then it changes the way, then it suddenly isn't like, oh, I'm so frustrated all day long. I've, then you're thinking, no, all day long I've gotten to teach and train. And, you know, yes, sometimes it's, you know, repetitive. It's, it's, and a friend of mine one time, I said, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with Blaine. I'm beating him also, but I'm beating a dead horse. And, and she was like, Millie, that's called rooting and grounding. And then I got a different perspective because it's like I may have to do this every day, ten times a day, but that's rooting and grounding. So that's the way that goes. And here's the end of it. She did one on one of her. Yeah, kiddos. so take, it, take an opportunity with, each, with your husband. And um, if you're not married, um, assess your children. Uh, look at this child inventory. This is not, you know, the end-all child inventory, but it, it was a little, um, it's a place to start. So I t actually got permission from my daughter, Kirby. Um, I did a little inventory on her, and we talked about it. And it was funny because what I had written down was almost verbatim what she said. I said, Kirby, um, what do you think your strengths are? And um, I'm just going to tell you what I said, and she said hers a lot. she said hers a lot more eloquently than this. But I said, Kirby's strengths are she's smart. She's sharp. She's quick-witted. She's capable. She's reliable. She's a leader. And she's a servant. She's a lot like Todd. She comes by um, a lot of those strengths, honestly. Um, areas of growth. I said, Kirby, what do you where do you think you could grow? This is what I already had written down. She said the exact same thing. I could control my tongue, and I could not overreact, and I need patience. And she would tell you that her life verse is Proverbs 21:23, And it says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. 
Her version says, if you keep your mouth shut, basically things will things will go well for you. <laughs> and, uh, and and we Is that laugh a message about that version. <laughs> yeah, we laugh about that all the time because in the Wagner household. We quote uh, Proverbs 21:23 a lot to each other, <laughs> and um, remind each other that that we need to uh, watch our tongues. So anyhow, then uh, situations that can that can be uh, challenging for her. It can be challenging for her primarily when she's inter- and if I'm just talking specifically siblings, when she's interacting with her siblings, and there's either some apparent frustration from another sibling towards her. Um, she can be. Um, let's see. How did I say it? If she's faced with sibling frustration or she's frustrated with her sibling, rightly or wrongly, uh, she can injure that relationship with her words very quickly. And um, her flesh wants to, take, uh, wants to take over, and she can talk circles around most of her siblings. And that can be real damaging uh, in, that re- in the moment for that relationship. The other thing that Kirby is great about, though, and this is her strength, I guess I didn't have this down, is that she's real quick to realize that and real quick to ask for forgiveness and come back. Uh, so not much time passes. But in the heat of the moment, she is a quick-witted gal and a quick, t- sharp-tongued um, person. Uh, so anyhow, how can I help her? And how can Todd and I help her? We, and we do, um, pray for her specifically for this area. Some of the times that we're together... Uh, we talk about, when we're talking about those specific areas, we stop and we pray for our kids for those specific areas. Um, we can celebrate her uniquenesses, her, the, the way she's been gifted, we celebrate that. And, um, and then the last thing I put on there is we can er, encourage her to glorify God with her actions and her words. And um, I think you have to be real intentional about encouraging your kids and, uh, you know, verbally and written. Um, my, Landry wrote me the other day, or told me the other day, she says, Mom, how come all the notes you write me have scripture on there? She goes, how come you don't just list out all the good things about me? And, um, and I thought that was really funny because, uh, you know, more thought goes into it, I think, when you add scripture to it. So, anyhow. Um, I think that's neat, too, when it says, how can I help? Because, you know, it seems like when Gracie has, whether or not it was tech, she got in trouble, and so she was laying up in her bed, and she had been crying. I went up there, and she was, Mom, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And so we're just laying there on her little bed, and I'm kind of rubbing her little head. And I said, the best news is, I said, I'm not, I still have a job to do. You know, my job isn't out the window. If you were had arrived, and I mean, I'm still needed here. So I think, you know, when you've got areas for growth, I mean, you're still in a job. You know, as many people that are out there looking for jobs, you're guaranteed a job when there's still work to be done. And I can assure you, there's work to be done. Um, <clears throat> as far as the child, the parent, I just think the key is, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, so I'll make this short, is just the respect. I mean, that has got to be the foundation in your family. I mean, when I say, you know, I use that term so much. Even when my kids are bickering, I mean, it's disrespectful, you know. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, did you want to add something to respect? Oh, no. Um, and then child to child, um, 
you know, Blaine and Grace, when, when, we, when I found out I was pregnant, we didn't find out what my third one was. And so we had just gotten this house. His room was the biggest. So I thought, it's a boy. I mean, the Lord, it is a boy. I just know it. So we got bunk beds. We set the whole room out and out popped Grace. And I had him double check. I was like, there's no way it can be a girl. So they shared a room for the first, I guess, six years of her life. And it was real traumatic when they split up. Because she'd come down and say, I was scared last night. I go, why didn't you come get me? She says, well, Blaney prayed with me. And he has loved her, and I've got some pictures, from the minute, that, that is always her response to him until about two years ago. And it, it's just, he has just, he, you know, he has loved her well. And I can't tell you, his face lights up every time he sees you know, Gracie. I don't care where they are. One day got, he came in and <clears throat> got in the car from school and he goes, I got a free 100 today. And I said, why? And he goes, well, Gracie came in with Katie to do a birthday cookie. And immediately when she walked in, I went to the front and gave her a hug. And the teacher called me up and said, anybody that gets up out of his seat and goes and gives his sister a hug gets a free 100. And I always tell my kids, people, and they go, mom, we know, people notice. But it's true. People notice. And I said, you're not always going to get a hundred, but that's just the way it is. People are always going to notice. They're going to notice the good. They're going to notice the bad. So this has been the relationship. And I got a couple of pictures because from the get-go, he has just been enamored with her. Um, and that's how he always hugs her. And so a couple of years ago, I noticed every time she go, he stinks. I mean, I, boys smell like a wet dog. I'm just telling you. And we don't like dogs. So we're not pet people. I, I don't want to offend anybody, but we're just not pet people. And so I just, I, I figured, I felt like a broken record. Grace, your brother's loving you. And then I thought, you know what? This is the wrong approach. So I just, every time he'd hug her and she'd, you know, uh, then I'd just say, Blaine, keep loving her. That's what you're called to do. You just keep loving her. And then she'd go, Blaine, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I mean, she immediately responded to that. I thought, make a deposit in the good action and quit harping on the bad action, you know, the, the action that wasn't really, you know, speaking in love. So that's been their, their whole relationship. And then we've got conflict. Well, before we get to conflict, uh, I want to add a couple of practical things that we've done in our house for the child, to nurture the child-to-child relationship. Um, A few years ago, you know, the movie Love Dare, um, Fireproof came out, and uh, they had this book called Love Dare. For Valentine's Day, I guess maybe it was two years ago, I bought every one of my kids the Love Dare. Now, I know a lot of you don't have readers yet, but this is a very good tool. Um, And our kids have taken this, and our boys share a room, and our girls at the time were sharing, all three of them were sharing a room. We have, we have room enough for them to each have, well, not individual rooms, but to spread out a little more. But we did make that a priority, and we've had them sharing. Now, our oldest one is 17, and she's moved into a room uh, primarily because she's up later, and she needs a quiet study space. So she's got her own spot for the time being. But probably this summer, they will move back in together, and we'll encourage that, because she does need to, li- need to work through some more, living, learn some more living together skills as we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But just to give you an idea of what the Love Dare um, does, it's got a, um, the day one, it says love is patient. And what we did, and it's great reading, I mean, I encourage each one of you to pick this book up and read it for your, read it for your marriage and then see how it applies in all relationships. Um, but on the, um, towards the end of the chapter, it says, but can Cooper count on having a, a crossed out spouse or him, you know, your wife or your husband, and I and I had them write in each other's names, and they're supposed to be doing this through the whole book. Um, 
and it's short, so they can read it together. And um, now they do do some other things. They do read the journey together occasionally, um, or do Bible reading together. But this is something that they can do, and it's easy easy access for them. And um, so anyhow, this says, but can Cooper count on having a patient brother to deal with? Uh, and then that was one of the lines in there that we changed. And then at the end, it has to, today's dare for the love is patient. It says, the first part of this dare is fairly simple. Although love is communicated in a number of ways, our words often reflect the condition of our heart. For the next day, resolve to demonstrate patience and say nothing negative to Cooper all day. If the temptation arises, choose not to say anything. It's better to hold your tongue than to say something you'll regret. And actually, I should have said that this chapter starts off with a scripture verse, Ephesians 4.2. Um, and, and then it asks you this question. Did anything happen today to cause anger towards Cooper? Were you tempted to think disapproving thoughts and let them come out in words? And so this, I obviously picked up Cade's book. Uh, then day two, and I'll just read a couple of this, a couple of the lines in here. Starts with, uh, it says, love is kind. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I'm telling you, this is so good. Um, the uh, dare for that day. In addition to saying nothing negative to Cooper again today, do at least one unexpected gesture as an act of kindness. So it goes through, um, I don't know, maybe 40 chapters. There's 40, maybe two or three page chapters. Very doable, very applicable. And um, there is one chapter on physical intimacy. You might want to rip that one out. I, I ripped that out because Cooper had moved ahead a few chapters and he came just giggling to me and um, so anyway we ripped those chapters out of his book my book still has that um, and then with Allie and uh, our oldest daughter she's a driver now and uh, you know she's she's got uh, relational um, bridges that she's trying to build back with some of her siblings and so one of the ideas I've floated uh, recently with my with Todd is why don't we set her up because she's driving what if we uh, funded her to start having date nights with each one of our children individually? And without, her, without even talking to her yet, because we hadn't really landed that that's what we're going to do, but I think it would be a great idea. Um, and it helps her build those bridges back towards, that, um, towards that, um, those hearts being bound together again. And uh, so one thing she did this week without me talking to her about this is she picked up her younger brother at school and took him to get a Slurpee, which was the first time that's happened since she's been a driver. And he came in on top of the world because she had come by and picked him up. It's usually me, and I usually say no to Slurpee. Um, <laughs> because saying yes to one Slurpee means saying yes to six Slurpees. And um, so anyway, those are just some practical things that we have done and, or, the, or that we are hoping to do soon to nurture those child-to-child relationships. So now you're just saying no as to Slurpees and to any Building Walk speaking opportunities. <laughs> just say no. Well, so you want to go over the you, skills? Well, Millie, Millie showed you that picture of Kirby and Cooper wrestling in the snow. And um, in, with the humor gal here, she shot me down on the Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, I, you, will, you will deal with sibling conflict if. I said, let's do the Jeff Foxworthy thing. She said, no. So we had a little co-speaker conflict over this. Uh, my husband said, why don't y'all just do a couple of knock-knock jokes? And I, 
He was giving her a hard time, me a hard time. So anyway, you know you're going to deal with sibling rival or sibling conflict if you have more than one child, if they live in the same house, and if their living skills are still under construction. Yeah. So I think on the respect issue, really, you know, Alex said they do role play, role play, role play. Well, you're either going to do role play and kind of work these things out, kind of, you know, get your expectations out there and kind of introduce these things to your kids on a low tide moment or you're going to do it on a high tide moment. You're going to do it. Um, so you're going to do role play or you're going to do on the spot training. And respect, I, I did that in all caps because really every one of these things I think falls under respect. I know um, for my family, about four or five years ago, uh, my kids were just, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just decided I loved Ephesians 4.29 that says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful in building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. And every time I'd hear them bicker, bicker, bicker in the car or whatever, I'd just start spouting it out. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out. And so then, you know, three weeks later, a month later, six months later, they knew the verse. So then I'd stop. Do not let, and they'd go, any unwholesome talk. And then they'd, they'd say the whole verse, and then they'd say, Blaine, will you forgive me? Gracie, will you forgive me? I mean, they'd immediately apologize from a heart that was really sorry because they realized that that's not how, you know, it's just good to be able to take Scripture like that because really respect is body language, tone of voice, their tone of voice, their eye contact. Um, and really respecting each other is the relational glue that seals intimacy and love. If you respect something that you have, whether that be something materially, something, you know, just a person. Um, so that was really important. Respect is just one of those things in my house. Willful disobedience and disrespect gets a consequence every time. And that's just how it's always been. My kids, and I always say, it's not the uh, severity of the punishment that ever bothers your kids. I mean, it, what, what's important is not the severity of the punish, it's the certainty. They know if they don't do what's required, if they're disrespectful to a sibling, then there will be some sort of consequence. So it's like going to the water fountain. You, when you push it, you expect to get water. And that's how it is when you cross that line and you're disrespectful. And really, I've got a 13-year-old, and so I hear about these 14-year-old boys and how that's so different. And my prayer this year, I love Psalm 119, and it just says, because when I didn't really know any scripture or any Bible verses, I mean, I knew John 3:16 and Jesus wept. I wasn't even sure the address on Jesus wept, but it was a short one, so I knew that. And I would just pray, you know, Psalm 119, verse 18, that says, Open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Well, my that I've taken that verse and modified it for my 13-year-old and it's opened my ears so that I will hear any disrespectful tone of voice that I want to catch him and I want to be on top of that. And, you know, he's been a delight. But, I mean, you know, there's been some things. He is the only, and I say this because I hear it, I heard it every day before Christmas until I looked him in the eye and said, you're not getting one. He is the only known person in the world that's 13 that doesn't have a cell phone. So, uh, I saw yesterday and I almost brought it, there was a note that said, I will not have a cell phone until I can drive. And then he had drawn a line and Gracie had signed it. So, I think she's probably saying, Blaine, get over it. I don't want a cell phone until I drive. Okay, well, let me write that down. So, I kept it. So, we have proof. We don't have to buy her one until she can drive. So, we're good on that. So Millie and I have, uh, we've done a lot of uh, spending time together early mornings over the garage selling and some some of the terminology that we, uh, when we came together on this, we had some of the same phrasing on things. It was kind of funny because uh, I guess just, you know, we use this topic and just the topic of children and family. Um, 
as a lot of our early morning uh, garage selling over a cup of 7-Eleven coffee. And um, one of the things we talk about, and I don't know, maybe you've even spoken about this here, is being in the building business. And um, to me, that was so much about what respect is, is building each other up. And we've hammered this so hard in our home, our children are now asking each other, um, so are you building me up or are you tearing me down? And I just heard Cooper ask that. Landry was kind of teasing him about something the other day. And um, even though it was a little bit of a you know, snide way of saying it, um, you know, our kids do realize that there is building up and there's tearing down. And they're very aware of what they're in the middle of. So, And that's true because, I mean, now my kids, I don't even have to say the verse. I just say, because I said one day, who's in the building business with me? And they all put their hands in me at one, two, three, hey. And now I just have to say, I'm sorry, are you, are you out of the building business now? And they'll say, I'm sorry, will you? So they know that goes back to that verse and it's just hammering it in. And the one that's for us right now in the hell house is, First uh, John 3:18 that just says, "Let us not love with words and tongue only, but in action and in truth." And so the other morning we got in the car, and you know Blaney and I were kind of at odds with each other. And so I thought we'll discuss this when Gracie gets out. And she was like, "I'm not getting out until y'all make up." And I was like, uh, "Gracie, we're going to talk about that when you get out of the car." No, no, I'm not getting out. Action, action, we want action, ACT. And I was going, "All right, already." I mean, she was just determined. She's back in the back, just hitting on her binder. We want action, ACT. So she wanted me to love him in action and truth, and she wanted to see it happening right then. She did not want to go off with us in a tiff. Uh, so we're going to. The next thing we're going to talk about is the uh, conflict resolution skills. And um, Todd, is, we're not going to teach you all the conflict resolution skills. Um, and let me just add this. These living together skills are not just for your kids. Um, you have got to be practicing them yourself and um, sharpening your skills in the area of respect because they do see. Your kids see. If mom and dad are respecting each other, that's going to be their prime example of how they're going to treat one another. And that can hurt when you see your kids being disrespectful to one another and go, okay, Where'd that come from? And then you have to really take a hard look at, you know, how you're treating your husband, what your tone of voice is, what your body language is. And knowing that respect is the foundation for um, just building each other up. And then the con- so the conflict resolution, um, I think we all realize conflict is everywhere. It's with children. It's with neighbors. It's with each other. Um, and so you're going to have a constant opportunity for that, which... Todd is now speaking currently uh, here at Watermark. If you don't go here, you can catch it online if you'd like. He's got, I think it's a four-week series on conflict. And um, there is online a uh, Lord of the Rings, which he spoke on this conflict series uh, a few years ago. I think they're going to change it and and, um, just make some changes to it. So tune in for the next four weeks. This is very... um, obviously applicable for us as adults, but take this, and this conflict resolution, these steps work with your children. They will work in your home. So, um, and then um, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And um, so that's just a scripture that says, Hey, you've got, you need to make peace. And... Um, it was obviously very important. It's one of the first few things Jesus said. So peacemakers. And, um, and again, you, we want to learn to do this in our home. Your kids are going to watch the way not only you respect your spouse, 
they're going to watch the way you resolve conflict um, with your spouse or with their, a family member, a relative, with a neighbor, and they're going to model what they see in their relationships. So, um, okay, do you have something else? No. You want to say? We can't. We'll just kind of move along because. Okay, good communication skills. Listen with your eyes. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you know, when you're talking to your kids, get down on their level and really look into their eyes and really communicate what you have to say. Because they can really tell from your body language, and it's just so great just to look into their little eyes. And, and I mean, you know, as young moms, when you're going to pick your kids up, whether they're just down in the nursery, when you see them, let your face light up. Tell them that you're so glad to see them. I mean, just let your face do the talking because, I mean, just seeing them, it's just so important to just have that communication and that good... Yeah, and make the, and, and, and encourage them, not just you to them communication skills, but encourage good communication skills for each other. I can't tell you how many times we sit at the dinner table and everybody's trying to talk at one time and no one's listening. And so just stop and seize the moment and, and hammer home um, that it's important to be a li- good listener. So, you know, just use your opportunities as they come along to um, work on their communication skills. Uh, this is really, I skipped down, so I'll just go through these and then I'll stop on this one. But this is kind of responding rather than reacting. And I saw these pictures and I just had to laugh because he had, we, I do a Christmas card used to. I still to this day don't have a digital camera. So I took, you know, six rolls of film and this was about on the fourth roll of film. And I got that smile out of him on everyone. I was like, Blaine, that is so, pass the mozzarella. That is so cheesy, please. So they're trying to smile and Sally's getting so like, okay, this is, you know, I'm not happy about this. So we do it again and then he's bugging Grace. And so Sally's going, Blaine, stop. And then she went inside. She was not going to be in the Christmas card picture. And then he smiled at least decently. And then she came out and just said, that is the proper response to sibling aggravation. But you can go back to, I just accidentally got on that little. Uh, Okay, so one of the other things that we have on our living together skills is being flexible, gentle, kind, self-controlled. We thought thought if you just read through Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, um, that's going to give you a all the information you need on what that particular one calls you to to, uh, work on. And then the next one was sharing. And um, this is probably right about where most of y'all are. Um, Just the, you know, sharing just seems so prevalent, or maybe not sharing. Um, So we're, uh, we, we tell our kids, even at the age that they are now, from 17 on down to six, um, Listen, we are waiting to bless you if you share with one another. And they don't always know what that means, but sometimes we've, had, we've specifically said, you share that piece of gum, you're going to get a whole new pack. And you cannot believe how many times they have not believed us. <laughs> and they will not share. They're stubborn, I mean selfish, and they stick that pack of gum in their pocket and they will not share. But there have been a few times where um, oh, camp recently, six, Shared a piece, he shared all his gum. He just passed it out around the car with two friends that were with the other siblings. And um, I bought him three packs of gum. <laughs> and that just shows the older kids, listen, we are serious. This is important. So sharing. Yeah, and I had a, a good one on sharing. One day I was at Sonic, and I think the key where the stage y'all are at is 
you know, at all costs, remain calm. You're going to be most effective. You know, we were in the car, and, and I, you know, y'all are going to cringe on this, but I, we buy one, I'm a clean freak, and in my car, I like it to stay fairly neat. So when we go to Sonic, happy hour, you know, one large Route 44, so we all share it. So I know there's germs, and, you know, all the hails have all the germs. But I said, you know, what do y'all want today? And Gracie's in the back, and she's probably, I don't know how old she was at the time, but she said, I don't want to share. And I said, well, that's that's more than fine with me. So I get up there and I said, Blaine, what do you want? He said, oh, I'll have a strawberry lime slush. I said, oh, that sounds great. Strawberries are in season. Well, that's Gracie's favorite. So I said, oh, can we have a, we'll have a Route 44 strawberry lime slush. Can we have extra strawberries in there? I know they're good. And then we'll have a glass of water with no ice. So Gracie's eyes are getting big, like, well, who's that ice thing? Had that no ice for? So when we get it, I put the lid and get the straw, and I hand it back to her. And Blaine, on cue, I didn't tip him off, but he's like, oh, man, I just got the biggest strawberry, and they're so good. I said, oh, I know it. I just love strawberries this time of year. So Gracie's like, well, I'd rather share. And I said, oh, no, sweetie, you chose not to share. So you're going to have to go with that. Well, a couple days later, for some reason, I had three of the Wagners, and I had, three of my, I had two of my kids in the car. And so we drove by the house, and they were like, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. I said, okay, I'll get y'all something. So I got a water bottle for the Hales and a water bottle for the Wagners. Well, Gracie had that little bob haircut, and it uh, looked like Dorothy Hamill. And so she's sitting in the chair, and Kate's in the back going, her, her son, that's Gracie's age, says, I don't like to share. And Gracie, I would not say that to my mom. <laughs> like, you won't get diddly. So, I mean, so Kate was like, so I guess, I mean, I don't know if he drank or not. But anyways, the point there is saying she got the message. She knew I was a parent that she could count on. If she chose not to share, it wasn't like I gave her this big, long lecture of, no, you have to share. She just knew that there was going to be a consequence. And, hey, water with no ice, I mean, you know, that's... You get your, you'll wet your whistle. It may not be what you wanted. but So just be a parent. I, I love whoever came up with, you know, you, you split it and then the other one chooses. That's genius to me. And we use that now, but they didn't have that little scenario. So taking turns. Um, again, right where y'all are at, right where I'm at too, believe it or not, 17, uh, actually 46. Sometimes I'm, I struggle with taking turns and sharing. And... My kids see that. I can, my, my girls are much thinner than I am, but they're, we can share a few things, and we can share shirts occasionally, some of them. A lot of them I wouldn't want to be seen in, but, uh, and they probably feel the same way about mine. But uh, if, I, um, if I'm thinking about wearing something, and one of the girls comes in and says, can I wear your, even if I wasn't really planning on it, plan, I wasn't certain that I, I might wear that, can I wear your whatever it is? Oh, just just in me, like there goes one option, and uh, so I have to, I have to be modeling, sharing, and taking turns too. Um, Galatians six nine. Do not grow weary of doing good. Um, just do not grow weary of doing good, and tell, just imparting that to your children. And then, um, I think we already talked about the. Uh, Responding rather than reacting to sibling rivalry did you, or sibling, yeah, sibling yeah, aggravation. A so um, a family where these behaviors are addressed and run rampant is a place where sibling relationships will wither and die and not flourish and grow. And that is true. That is very true. Um, so we're going to press on here. Okay. Well, one thing I was going to say, too, about the sharing... 
on y'all's status, I will tell you right now. When your little baby holds that Cheerio up, start planting that seed. Get down and nibble on it. Oh, thank you for sharing. Oh, mommy loves it when you share. And would you, you know, they want something of yours. Oh, I would love to share with you. Mommy's a share bear. I love to share. If you'll start using those terminology, I'm telling you, it. I don't know why that's what I always told them. So it just rolled off my lips the way we used to say it. Okay. And you'll plant that seed. And I was going to say, we don't really give um, achievement awards for, you know, kicking three goals in the soccer or um, having straight A's or whatever the world tells you is important. Um, But you know what? If you're a great sharer and we hear about it, or if you've taken turns and we hear about it, if you're respectful and we hear about it, you're going to get an award at our house. And we have a family, uh, we kind of call it a, well, we call it just a family night together and we, we have a family meeting. And we, uh, you know, if your name is on this paper, it is a very special thing at our house. And um, so that's just one of the things that we do for um, rewarding things that we hear. Catch them doing, catch them doing things that are good. Um, and then move it. Okay, so then the baby, the toddler, and teen. But this just says a family where these behaviors are not addressed and run rampant is a place where sibling relationships will wither and die and not flourish and grow. Um, implementation. I mean, we did the kind of the Ephesians 4:29. Take God's word. If you view God's word as truth and promises, it's real easy to use that. And then an obedient delivery. It's got to have a heart come from a heart that's geared toward training. Like in Second Timothy, if you read that verse, I love it because all God's word is is truth and it's useful for teaching and. Uh, and it, you just get changed. You know, I always say to moms, when you're at your wit's end, Galatians 6, 9, where it says, you know, uh, about in the proper time you will reap the harvest, pray for fruit. I always tell my young Sunday, I'm always like, Deb, you got a taste of fruit. God's fruit is so tasty. And when you've been hammering out something, he's so faithful to, to put that before you where you see change. One thing I did with my kids, I took them to every doctor's appointment. I took them to everything. And when the baby was born, I always stuck a picture of this older sibling because when they got, I mean, it was, it was an inconvenience, you know, to take them to every doctor's appointment. They'd yell in the little Doppler, hi, baby, you know, or whatever. But when they came and they went up and I'd take them over to the nursery and look, one day you're going to have a baby in there. And then when they went to the window, the first thing they saw was the the little bassinet thing in the nursery with their picture in it. And they were a little angel watching over their new sibling. And I'm telling you, the nurses, when I came back the second time, were like, we remember you. So at Medical City. But, I mean, they it just really does start building that relationship. There's just a little, you know, it's just so important. And I will tell you, moms, I I hear verbiage all the time. You know, when that new baby comes along, I hear moms all the time say, oh, uh, you're just going to have to wait, you know, Sally. Blaney's crying. He's got to eat. Well, you know what? This is called lung development. When you've got a new baby that's crying, it's more important to make deposits in the older child and say, you know what, Blaney, you're just going to have to cry. Gracie was here first. And so I'm going to attend, you know, what do you need? Let's, Sally, let's get you a book and, and a snack, and then I'm going to feed Blaney. But when you're always doing this to the older child, you're sending a clear message of, oh, you're replaced. And our verbiage and the things we say 
builds up or tears down. And so that's not going to hurt that child to cry for an extra 30 seconds, a minute. I mean, we did. We always called it lung development. And Blaney would always say when Gracie was crying, I think she needs a hug. And so that's how he always addressed it when she was crying. But we called it, we always called it a sandwich kiss, and we've done it through our whole house. That was just half a sandwich because we only had one child at the time. And then that's called, that's a big sandwich. And then that's called a $5 foot long. <laughs> that's a big sandwich. And so we've always done it and loved on our kids like that. And there's toddler, and you, you want to say anything to the toddler, and then the teens. Uh, and we can kind of, we've kind of addressed a lot of these, but we can go through about the right environment once you... Right. So in, in keeping with the planning theme, uh, we wanted to talk about the right environment to plant in. And uh, some of the important things you want in your home, well, is maybe, not, maybe it is so obvious, but let's say it. God needs to be first in your family. Um, you know, are you putting, placing the importance of being a fully devoted follower um, before your children and modeling that? And um, I think you wanted to say something about that. Well, I was just going to say, you know, Todd said years ago, I think it was even at Northwest Bible, he said, you know, it shouldn't be WWJD bracelets we wear. It should be WWJHMD. What would Jesus have me do? Because we've got to, it's an action word. When it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Uh, serve him wholeheartedly. I mean, that's not us sitting around with our feet on the ottoman. There is action there that we've got to do. And so I just think, I love in this Think Orange book, he really, and that was why I chose, or Alex, I chose that scripture card, just because it was what Moses was saying to the Israelites. You know, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the first statement. And then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So that's us next. And then it talks about us impressing it on our kids. So you've just got to remind yourself that God is God. And you, and I promise, if you will just say God is God and just think about that, in this Think Orange book, it's so true. You will stress out less and you will trust more. And so I think that's just real important. And then the... Okay, and then praying together. Uh, praying together and for each other. If you are praying uh, together as a family and you're praying for each other and your kids are praying for one another, there is less, you are much less likely to have sibling conflict or parental conflict or any type of conflict. Um, so praying together as a family, make that a priority. That, um, have your children pray for one another. And it doesn't have to be you know, when you're all together. Have them go in their room. And you step out and let them pray together. Like I think Millie said a few minutes ago, uh, Blaney prayed for Gracie, you know, and I'm sure that's a common occurrence. But they need to be reminded, just like we need to be reminded, prayer is crucial. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've told this story before, too, but it's just so ironic. We were going out. I'd picked up Sally at school, and we were driving out in traffic to a volleyball you know, lesson. And, you know, I was just not having a good day. It was traffic. We were late. And so Sally just kind of, hi, Mom. You know, uh, what's for dinner? I don't even know if we're eating dinner. So Gracie, they're all in the back seat. Their eyes get big. And so Sally's like, waits for a little minute. And then she says, did you have a bad day? And I said, yes, I did. So finally we get to the volleyball thing. And I said, go on in there. I'm just going to sit out here and pray. So Gracie comes up beside me and she looks up and she goes, can I pray with you? And I said, absolutely. So she looks up again and says, can I pray for you? And I said, no, that'd be better. <laughs> so she just starts in. She's like, dear Heavenly Father, my mom is so torqued off today. Um, and would you please change her attitude and let us be able to eat dinner? 
And I said to myself, I got me on, I looked her in the eye, and I said, thank you for loving me enough. I don't want to be that mom. And you, you know, open the door with your kids. Be approachable. I mean, that's what they need to see. So I apologized to her, asked for her forgiveness, went in and got Sally out of the, out of the little practice thing. But, I mean, it's just so important to model that. And Gracie will always, she's the first one that will say, Mom, would you pray with me about this? Will you pray with me? And she's just so good about that. And what I love, what I hear Millie saying and what, uh, is don't tell your kids to pray for each other uh, and I said this a minute ago, you know, I said, have them go in their room and pray for each other. But don't tell, don't say you're going to pray about that or pray for them. Pray with them on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, have them pray for each other, you know, at, in the moment. Uh, a lot of times when you say you're going to pray about it or they tell each other they'll pray about it, they don't get it done. Let's face it, children get distracted real easily. So um, have, them, have them do that on the spot. Well, and model that for them. Yeah, and I think that sends a message to your kids, the, pri- the prioritizing prayer and praying for each other and how important that is. I mean, I really think, and in this Thank Orange book, it says a priority is a simple pre-decision about your time, and that's what it's, why it's called a rhythm. But it's just, it really determines how you spend your time. And I think just modeling that for them and saying, we're going to pray right now. When you see your child exhibiting a behavior that's not, take their little hands and pray with them. I mean, you really need to do that. It's just really model prayer. It's just really important. And then God's Word. Yeah, one thing we already hit on that, really, is just reading God's Word together. Um, uh, there's not a whole lot we need to add to that. We, um, we uh, read the journey together. The journey has great questions at the bottom for family, uh, family discussion questions. So when you get done reading the Scripture passage... You can read the devotional, and then there are questions down there for you. If you haven't um, found the journey, jointhejourney.com. Okay, and I think train wisely. Um, You know, I I think it's real important when you incorporate terms like, oh, you know, with a new baby, be gentle. You know, use terms. Don't say, you just acted so ugly. And I say that. I mean, that's on the tip of my tongue all the time, ugly. But that sends a message about a physical. I mean, you need to say, that was so disrespectful. And, you know, you need to use a terminology when you're addressing your kids. That's kind. That's, you know... I mean, do you have some more on Yeah, in, in the training, I just, said, I just thought, use Scripture uh, when you're training your kids. Um, back up what you're saying with Scripture. Uh, use um, biblical principles and capture those teachable moments. So. Yeah, and it is. I mean, you know, when you send a message, I remember going into to Target one day and I was trying on a bathing suit, so I already was not in a good mood. But I told my kids we were supposed to go have lunch with a friend, and they were looking forward to it. And I said, guys, we're going to be in here five minutes, and I really need you all to act respectfully and, you know, do what I ask you to do. So we come, they acted like buffoons in there. And so we get in the car, and I didn't waste any time. I just picked up my cell phone, and I called. I didn't say anything to anybody. I let them do their little number in there, and I just got on the phone. I said, Patty, this is Millie. I said, we were so looking forward to lunch, but the Hales have decided to go home and have peanut butter and jelly, and I hope you take Bradley out for a wonderful lunch and have a lot of fun, and they're back in the back seat going, Gracie, see what you did, you, you, you know, they're back there just doing one of these, and I thought, you know what, I, I didn't yell at them or anything, and then I turned around, I looked at them, I said, guys, how many people did y'all win over for Christ in there? And they looked at each other, nobody, and I'm like, you know, what we do impacts you know, if we can't get our circle right, if the five of us don't love each other well, we don't need to be opening up the circle and saying, Red Rover, Red Rover, let somebody else come over. I mean, we need to be loving well. So I thought, we're going to go home and love each other over peanut butter and jelly. 
so I think the message there is just be someone your kids can count on and just keep pointing them back to it's so important for us to love and do a good job in our circle. Um, Let's just go through. Yeah, well, we'll just go. Okay, real quick on the teach forgiveness and gratitude, just Judas versus Peter. Judas, um, he did not have the true love of the Lord, and he had Satan in his in his heart. And so that just to me, I just was really moved by that about somebody that's remorseful. And then when he sinned against the Lord, you know, he had nowhere to go, and so he ultimately killed himself. And Peter knew when he had sinned against the Lord, and the rooster crowed. He was so remorseful, but he knew he could go back to his father and get restored. And just and we talk about a lot in our family. We we have a lot of opportunity to ask for forgiveness. One of the things that we um, we have them do is they are saying, I'm sorry to one another. We bring them together. I'm sorry. And will you forgive me for blank, naming the sin? And if, when, you, when you say I'm sorry, that's kind of the easy way out. And when you follow it up with will you forgive me for, and you have to name your sin, that is a really healing step in, that, in restoring that relationship. So... And I, and I think just keep an eternal perspective, and then Alex has got service on there. But when you keep an eternal perspective, always stand back and see the bigger picture. You know, is it really about, you know, who wants to share this and who, you know, who? I mean, you want to make sure and handle that, but really start keeping a bigger picture of eternal life and just what's the yeah. eternal perspective. In the mindset of service, we, um, you know, Mark 10.45 said, even the Son of God came to not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve. And um, so just imparting that uh, mindset of service in your family with your serving one another and serving others. Um, and I have a few examples of just ways we've tried to do that. Um, we, when we're driving to school, we'll, we'll talk about, okay, who are you going to serve today? And just making that a, like, aha, like, you know, again, they're not going to maybe think about that as they're going. And, and I a lot of times need to remind myself, all right, Lord, what am I going to do today? Who do you want me to serve um, not a natural tendency. So telling your, talking to, through your kids, giving them the vision to serve others. And um, we adopted a um, child down in West Dallas, or I should say we're mentoring a child down in West Dallas. Todd and I are the official mentors, but you know what? We told our kids, you guys are all mentors with us. They aren't just, you know, playmates for the little boy we uh, are mentoring. <clears throat> they, they have the vision of, okay, we're going to serve this boy and uh, we're going to serve his family. So those are certain things that the Wagners do, um, just having the mindset of service. And when you have all these, um, uh, when you put plant in the right environment, um, you know, these are, the, the, uh, these are what you want your kids uh, to, to rub up against. These things that you yeah, want to plant in your family. Okay, so family time, and then we're just going to blow through these because I know it's getting close and we're not going to really have time for questions. But, um, you know, this kind of stuff comes natural. It's real easy for my, my husband to really pour into my son. He's a huge golfer and loves golf, and he loves football. My husband loves football. But I tell you what my husband has done best. He has loved on, well, I'll go to Sally first.